Hello and welcome to episode 85 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Championship Sunday is done. We know who's going to the Super Bowl. It's the Chiefs versus the 49ers. My name is Cameron Hobbs. And my name is Paul Mitchell. I'm absolutely delighted for Cameron that the 49ers have made it. It's an interesting Super Bowl ahead, but we'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week. This week, we'll have a check back on the games that we've just watched. As ever, we'll be sharing your nominations for our weekly awards as we still give away. And for the easy for me to say, for the penultimate time this year, it is our belter, our bowfing and our ball bag. And we'll round off this week's podcast with some news from the NFL, including a big movement from a Rivers. Oh, indeed. Um, so let's kick off then, first of all, Paul, by the, the games. We'll come on and we'll look back to our live event that we had at the Golf Tavern. Um, but beyond that, um, we, we need to focus in on these games. And let's kick, first of all, with the, the main event that kicked off first, and that is the Titans versus the Chiefs. And this had a bit of a similar story to the the game against the Texans in that the Titans went out in front and then Mahomes basically got himself in order. And at that point on, it was all the Chiefs. Absolutely. I mean, it was interesting. I thought the Titans came out with a good game plan. They started very well. But for the Titans to be successful... Derek Henry had to go over 100 yards. Arguably, Cameron had to go over about 125. He got 69. Now, 69 might be a nice number for some. It's not what you want out your running back (laughs) when you're trying to go in and win. So uh, it just was unfortunate for them. I think if you look at it, though, there's certain things that come out. I think Ryan Tannehill came out okay. You know, there was no great mistakes from them. I think they just got beaten uh, by the better team. I think Mike Vrabel's proved that he can coach, you know, a really good team. And I think that's come through loud and clear. Big decisions to come for Tennessee. Do they keep Tannehill? You know, do they move on from him? Do they keep Derek Henry? I mean, I would work harder to keep Derek Henry without any doubt. But I think it was a great win for the Chiefs, everybody's pleased for Andy Reid. You know, he does get the mickey taken out of him for, you know, some of his time management and things like that. But he has shown time and time again that he can deliver. They finally got there. But would they get there without Patrick Mahomes? There's the question. I think Mahomes has that just that magic touch as he showed. Nothing appears to bother him. Being behind doesn't appear to bother him. And he just is, is a wonderful athlete. Now, if you watched you know, some of the runs that he made, you would have thought he should have been tackled if you were a Titans fan. But just the way he moves is stunning. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the way that he managed to get into the end zone, uh, just ducking and diving past people, just superb. And you touched on the fact there that Derek Henry got 69 yards. Mahomes got 53 himself on the ground and a touchdown. Uh, which was a really, uh, he is so impressive. He really is. We know exactly what he's capable of, but he's so consistent. He just does it every single week. Even when at first, you know, and it wasn't like the Chiefs were doing badly. It's just the Titans had a much better start. Um, They went in first, all looking good, which is what the Titans have been doing. When these sides met up earlier on in the season, though, it was, you know, a sling match. Uh, It was from one end to the other, to the other, to the other. What happened this week, um, and exactly what happened with the Texans, is it's not just about 
the Titan, sorry, the Chiefs being able to score more points, they're able to stop the opposition from scoring. So, you know, the Titans had a 10-point first quarter, seven in the second. Neither team scored in the third, which seems utterly bizarre when you look at the full-time score. And then, obviously, just the seven points towards the end there for the Titans to wrap things up. But the the Titans just didn't look a threat when they had been looking dangerous. At the beginning, Derek Henry was getting yards. He wasn't necessarily bursting away like he can do, but he was doing enough. He waltzed in for that first touchdown, and you thought, right, okay, Frank Clark's going to be made to eat his words. And in the end, unfortunately, because I don't, I don't particularly think Clark did anything to be overly proud of himself, but whatever, um, his mouth gets to run because Derek Henry didn't have the best of games. Yeah, I mean, these things happen. I mean, what I thought was interesting, you talked about the scoring in the quarters. The Titans were able to do what the Texans couldn't, and that was stop the bleeding. Yeah. But they were also unable to actually come back. Now, we were at the Golf Tavern, and once the Chiefs were ahead, there was very, very few people in that room that actually thought the Titans would come back. The Titans literally, I think, had to lead from the gate. And they couldn't do so. I think they've had a great season. They've annoyed me intensely by being good, bad and indifferent. Uh, But my favourite moment has to be that uh, the offensive lineman, Dennis Kelly. Now, that reception is the heaviest player to catch a postseason touchdown. He's also the tallest player to catch a postseason touchdown, along with Harold Carmichael, six foot eight. And he's the only offensive line player since 2000 with multiple touchdown receptions in a single season. That's pretty good. It is, and what a play it was as well. I mean, he, he, he was wide open. He was able to just rock back onto his behind uh, and score that touchdown. Really nice moment for him as well. And again, that's when the, the Titans were looking like they were going to be very much in it. And although, the, you know, it's an 11-point difference, it felt like so much more because it just felt like the Chiefs were on the up all the way through this. Um, at halftime, it wasn't that far away. It really could have, it felt really close, but when you get to the the full-time whistle, you, you really felt that the Chiefs had not eased it, but they were definitely by far the better team. Yeah, I mean, there was, there wasn't a lot of sweat. And I think that it was the same in both games. There wasn't a lot of sweat. There wasn't a lot of drama. Uh, I think we kind of hoped there would be, but in the back of our minds, we kind of thought it wasn't going to work out like that. And so it proved. But, you know, I think they deserve to be there. So we've got KC against SF. So here's your quick question. Knowledge, who's the only other team in the NFL with two letters that make up their logo? San Francisco. Yeah, I've said that. KC against SF. Oh, who's the They're only the other Super one? Bowl. Who's the only other one that's got their two letters in their logo? As their principal logo. You've put me on this spot, and I can't think. I, I just wonder think. if I just wonder if New York Giants. Trying. Yeah, exactly. Come on, you're about to Jeez. head out there. Um, that's quite <laughs> interesting, and it's the first time that uh, double initials have met in a Super Bowl. Really? Yeah, KC against SF. If you look at the principal logos, and it was only because I was watching. I suppose uh, P- because the Chiefs haven't. I mean, they've not been in a Super Bowl since 1969. So I guess, yeah, by the law exactly. of averages, yeah, it, it just hasn't happened. But it looks absolutely weird when when you see it together. Um, I think it was the same with the Baseball World Series earlier this season. There's very few teams that have got two circles on their logos. 
and that's that's what happens. So sometimes just little weird things, little weird things happen. And I no- I noticed that. So it's a double initial against double initial. So there you go. Yeah. Just, just just to be dull. So the one that <laughs> I picked up on, we're, we're skipping on now into the Super Bowl chat, but um, the one on that that I thought was a really interesting one is it's the first Super Bowl since I think 2013 that hasn't featured either LeGarrette Blunt or um, C.J. Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah th- that is quite weird. Just to finish up on that baseball one, because it came back to me, it was the Houston Astros who've got an H in a circle and the Washington Nationals who've got a W in a circle. So mm-hmm. we had single letters uh, with circles in MLB, but NFL always got to go bigger and better, Cameron. Two letters in their logos for the head-to-head. Yeah, and I was right, incidentally, 2013. So 2013, the last time LeGarrette Blunt or C.J. Anderson wasn't in the Super Bowl. 2014, it was Anderson with the Broncos. 2015, Blunt with the Patriots. Anderson with the Broncos in 16. Blunt with the Patriots and then the Eagles in 17 and 18. And C.J. Anderson was with the Rams last year. So there you go. Unless one of them manages to make it onto our roster <laughs> between <laughs> the Super Bowl. Um, that would be, it's quite the record. But what, I, I love stuff like that. There's all these little weird niche things come out. And do you know what? We'll, we'll, we'll focus on that later because between now and the Super Bowl, there's going to be a bucket ton of it dumped on our heads of all these different stats. Then um, Joe Montana putting the picture out saying, I can guarantee you right now, my team is going to win the Super Bowl as he takes pictures of both his Kansas City and his uh, San Francisco uniforms in the same photo. Uh, he's the one person that can definitely say his team is going to win the Super Bowl. Um, it's fascinating. But let's move on then to the uh, 49ers Packers game. And this was way more of a blowout than I was expecting. It was, but, you know, the definition of madness, they say, is to keep doing the same thing if you get the same result in a bad sense. The 49ers were mad. They just kept running the ball. But they were mad in that good sense because Green Bay couldn't stop them. I think looking at it, I think the last 83 plays that the 49ers have called, they've called 12 passing plays. Wow, yeah, it's do you know it's a fa- it's a fine line between genius and madness, as they say, and this is it. I think there's been some people sort of saying, you know, Cal Shanahan is a genius. Now, I don't know, genius is a bit of a stretch, I would imagine, but he's certainly a very good play caller, um, and absolutely, the Niners had a field day, especially on the ground. You know, we cannot take away from the number of records that Raheem Mostert has set, but ultimately, first player in NFL postseason history to go over 200 yards and score four touchdowns. Um, There's only one player has got more yards in a game. Uh, I can't remember who now. Uh, And there's only two other players have scored four in uh, the postseason. One of those, LeGarrette Blunt. um, But he's the first player to do it in a championship game. It was incredible. If you look at it, how many people would have known his name? You would have known it. He's on your team. But how many people across the country really would have paid him much attention? Uh, it's almost that plug-and-play different number of running backs. But he... Talk about being in the right place at the right time. That line was stunning. He was opening up blocks. I'm not quite saying you or I could have run through, but... Uh, I said it on the know, night when we were sitting watching it. I was, there was one, I was like, I reckon I could have given that a go. I could have given it a go. I wouldn't have got as many yards and I probably would have like twisted my ankle or something on the way, but I still couldn't have given it a go. And you look at it, you're right, look at the teams he's been on. He started off with the Eagles. Um, 
where he was on their off-season practice squad. And there's a number of teams dropped him, hoping to then put them onto their practice squad, and he got picked up. Ended up going through Miami, Baltimore, Cleveland, the New York Jets, Chicago Bears, and then ended up at the Niners. I'll be honest, I don't think anybody anticipated he would have the season that he's having now, especially even when Tevin Coleman came in. And it felt like Matt Breida, Tevin Coleman, Mostert was a factor, but not a big one. And then he absolutely goes off like that. He's not going to be able to do the same in the Super Bowl because absolutely he's going to be the focus point now. Um, The Chiefs are going to make uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throw if he's going to beat them. And that's going to be an interesting story to to look at as it comes round. You look at it, like you say, on on the ground, six for eight, 77 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, how many teams have scored 37 points in a playoff game and only thrown for 77 yards? It's utterly bizarre, isn't it? I mean, Mostert, I mean, who, who in San Francisco... On Sunday morning, woke up and thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going to wear my Mostert jersey. Yeah, totally. I mean, he, even he probably wanted to wear somebody else's jersey. But yeah, it was Eric Dickerson, by the way, who ran for 248 yards, I think was the, the biggest yes. one. Yeah. Uh, now, if you can put yourself, and the reason I say that, if you can put yourself into the same conversation as Eric Dickerson, who is a Hall of Famer, then you're doing not too badly. Um, and I think it's, it's the other thing that, I, I don't know if you picked up on because of Coleman being hurt, Mostert will start the Super Bowl. That will take his number of starts in the NFL to one. <laughs> Jeez, I, I mean, yeah, that's quite something. That is yeah. quite something. But uh, it, it'll be interesting it, to see if Coleman can make it because I think it's a dislocated shoulder. It's a sort of injury where. He's got two weeks to recover from it. If it's not done any damage to the area around it, he could still potentially make it there. Well, I mean, go back a few years. Sorry, cut you off. Andy Irvin, you know, the Scotland international fullback, they put his shoulder back in on the pitch and he played. Yeah. You know, I mean, they were hardy, tough boys back then. So you would think if it's two weeks, obviously. But the other thing, Cameron, is they've got so much they can put on to protect the shoulder to make sure it won't separate and things like that. So he'll want to be good to go. However... You've got to make sure that you're not carrying a man on your roster just for sentimentality reasons. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I think, though, as well, there's um, big players coming back on the defensive side that have had a big factor in this one. You know, Quan Alexander, a D Ford coming back at the end of the season. The Niners are relatively fit um, without injury. It feels like the Chiefs are in a similar position. They're both very much in form on both sides of the ball. I think that obviously the Chiefs are better on offense. I think that the Niners are better on defense. So what comes down to here is, can the the Chiefs' defense do what they've been doing to the Titans and the Texans and limit them? Can the San Francisco 49ers find a way to keep scoring against the Chiefs? It's a, it's a fascinating battle. It really is going to be a, a really interesting Super Bowl. I think that it feels fresh. Do you know what? It's great to see the Chiefs in there. You know, having not been there since 1969. And I'll put it on the record. You know I'm going to go against them in the pick six as well. I know that. I'm going to go against... Of course I am. Um, I I wouldn't even begrudge them it. Mahomes is class. And let's let's bring this on to Mahomes because something we were talking about on Sunday is for me, and I think a few other people were saying something similar. 
It feels like Patrick Mahomes is definitely one of the next generation of long-term NFL superstars. As we see players like Brady and Breeze and Rivers and, you know, Manning's gone, these guys coming to the end of their careers. Aaron Rodgers isn't going to play for too many more years. You obviously start to look at the group of people coming in behind them. Beyond Patrick Mahomes and probably Deshaun Watson if they can give him an offensive line. Right now, there's not really many more quarterbacks that I'm massively excited to have a long and sustained future in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, but I'll caution against that. So I'll, I'll take the, the opposite. Remember Kaepernick coming through? Remember yep. the excitement that, that was around Colin Kaepernick and what he was able to do? Go back a few years. They're still there. Winston and Mariota were supposed to be the two of the new guard that would come through to replace Brady, Breeze and Rogers. And look at what they've done or what they haven't done. So we always get this false dawn. Um, Kaepernick got to Super Bowl. Yep, yeah, he did. I, I, I never highly rated him as a quarterback, but he got to a Super Bowl in a particular system and then fell off an absolute cliff in playing terms. There's a lot of hype about RG3. Now, he might have been a player if the Redskins hadn't have forced him back into games and got him injured. So, what... Andrew Luck got, was the other one as well, and an injuries robbed us of Andrew Luck. Exactly. So, you, you know, you're looking at this and this can happen now. Mahomes stays injury free and stays in that system because, you know, San Francisco went on to be quite a poor team shortly after that. I don't see that happening with the Chiefs, but anything can happen overall. We know that with the draft picks, etc. So is this a false dawn or the real dawn? I think it's the real dawn, to be honest, but we'll have to wait and see. Indeed, indeed. So let's have a quick look, though, back at our event. Uh, we'll come on to the awards in just a minute. Uh, we had a pub full of NFL fans. Um, we had Ryan Cullen from the Clear and Oblivious podcast, who I thought was superb. We had Charles, Jamie and Ian from the NFL Scotland team there as well. I think the feedback's been really positive. A good night had. I think it goes to show that you've got to draft well, and I think we proved that by the number of guys that are involved in the NFL Scotland podcast who do a brilliant job. I love working with them all, and it was so good. Only Gordon couldn't make it. Gordon was working. He'd sent his apologies, Gordon McGuinness. We've got a really strong team, and I just I really enjoyed having them all there, um, you know, and everybody getting involved. And it's not just you know the podcast, but at the start, you know, you know, you saw Charles and Ian and Jamie, etc., going around the room chant to people and it was just it was it was absolutely fantastic big shout out to ryan and all the guys from clear and oblivious it it was great to have them there as well ryan's a very funny guy you can tell he's a comedian he's quick witted he's quick on his feet and it's a thing you watch funny i've just read a book uh, that was talking about you know after dinner speaking and the key to being successful uh and if you're not of that comedian ilk You've got to have a particular story to tell, and it's Doddy Weir's book that I'm that I'm rereading. Yeah. And talking about that, he said, "You know, I knew I could never master the timing, their jokes, but I've got a different skill set, and then you can develop, you know, timing." Whereas you could see that, you know, Ryan clearly has all all those skills packaged together. So yeah, it was terrific to meet him. Uh, terrific to meet the guys from podcast, and we may well do a crossover podcast at some point. Yes, we've definitely been chatting about what we can do to work together in the future. Um, I thought Ryan was superb. I thought he was really funny. He added a different light to the whole thing. Um, I think that Gareth and Mark as well are very funny. If you haven't checked 
checked out their podcast, please do go and do so. Um, we are obviously talking more about the games in detail, and they buy their own admissions. What was it he said? They're talking about the old woman that gets hit in the face and blinded um, by the ball <laughs> in the front row. You know, I think it's, that's it's some strap line. It's definitely a strap line. <laughs> um, but it's a really good podcast. It's a bit more edgy. It's a bit more funny. Uh, it's really good stuff. Uh, we both r- release our podcasts about the same time, usually both on a Wednesday morning. Um, so, you know, you can back them up one in the morning, one in the afternoon. One will get you to work. One will get you home if you've not got time to listen during the day. Uh, but, yeah, they're great guys, and we thank them for their support. And anything we can do to support them, we will continue to do so. Um, so, well, we we'll move on and look at these awards then, because I think this is um, it's obviously going to be a shorter podcast as we just look back, and we're going to look forward at a later date. So, Let's go to Twitter, Paul. Um, this is for the penultimate time, as I struggle to say at the top. Um, we've got our belter, our Bowfin, and our Bobak. So Derek DeBayer, first up. His belter is Raheem Mostert. I think that's fair. He's definitely a contender. Bowfin for him is the Packers' defense. And Bobak is the guy who kept coming into the golf tavern, who kept shouting, Mon the hoops, while I was trying to enjoy Championship Sunday. I didn't hear that. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't either. Um, and it must have been because we showed pictures of potentially new Tampa Bay uniforms, which are hooped. Maybe. Um, you know, the white and the and, and uh, red, and then the red and black. So I can only presume he was a Tampa Bay Bucks fan. We did have a few Tampa Bay Bucks fans in there who behaved impeccably. So I wouldn't like to, you know, tar all Tampa Bay fans with that uh, mon the hoops mentality. Um, so Willie Ross, he got in touch with just a simple one. He says, Nick Bosa, belter. Bosa, once again, being disruptive. Um, Alan Mayer, uh, he got in touch to say, Bobag, other pants are available. I think that's a little uh, advertising <laughs> joke there. Um, Kesbar84, uh, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger, uh, gets his belter. Bowfin is Packers for that start. <laughs> that start, that first half. And Bobag is Mostert. Championship weekend, now, divisional weekend, he got 11 points in my fantasy team. Last night, he's a 50-pointer, and I lost. So, yeah, that's a tough one. But that's not Mostert's fault. Um, Tony B, he says, Belter, Andy Reid. Big guy is a legend and deserves a ring. And it's hard to argue against that. Bowfin, sorry to say it, the Niners. Throw the ball eight times and, zzz, sorry, fell asleep there. Um... Yeah, do you know what? They kept me awake. Uh, Bobag is Corey Lindsley uh, for not getting his Bobag out the road when snapping to Rogers and fumbling. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. Uh, Chaz got in touch. His belters, Mahomes. His Bowfin is the Packers front seven. And Bobag, there's a few people saying this one, Tyreek Hill for the dog pee sort of thing that he did when he came out. Yeah, I, I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a hard player to like. Yeah, do you know what? He's a quality player. But uh, class isn't necessarily one of his attributes. I think we'll leave it at that. Um, Ian, he got in touch to say Belter. Raheem Mostert, 220 and four touchdowns. Bowfin is the Packers. Run D. And Bobag is Mike Florio from PFT for saying that Jimmy G would piss himself <laughs> in the <laughs> NFC Championship. Well, if he did piss himself, it was laughing. Um, LG, he so Scottish Steeler, his belter is Patrick Mahomes for doing Patrick Mahomes things. Bowfin is the Packers for not showing up in Championship Weekend. And Bobag, not much Bobagery this week, so I may as well say, like another listener, I have an unexplained dislike for quarterback Aaron Rodgers. And then he continues. He just seems like a doer-faced minion... Uh, 
Sorry. I'll try that one again. <laughs> he just seems like a dour-faced, whinging, moaning bastard and that he would be the guy in the changing room who is forever complaining about something. Don't get me wrong. He has the right to complain after that Packers performance, but I... Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> which I thought was just so eloquently put. Um, if you're going to be honest, you may as well be honest, you know. Quite right. Polly, who regular contributor to the show. Cameron Paul, thanks for another great event on Sunday. He starts his belter is Raheem Mostert. His bowfin is the Packers run defence. And Bob Bag goes away from the games. Odell Beckham Jr., not necessarily for his latest antics, for his attitude in general. The guy needs to grow up. Yeah. But more importantly than that, an honorary belter goes to Paul Mitchell for getting a round in. A moment up there with the moon landings, the fall of the Berlin Wall, the first known interception thrown by Jameis Winston. Thanks for being a good sport and wearing your T-shirt. Hashtag Mitchell got the beers in. What can I say? I mean, obviously I do win the belter award. I mean, Mostert tried to make up for it with the four touchdowns and running forever. But, you know, to see me buy a round actually surprised myself. So that's just the way it goes. <laughs> it certainly surprised me. Um, Lauren, another contributor to the show, uh, Belter, Raheem Mostert, while all the talk in the build-up was about Derek Henry versus the Chiefs' defence, Mostert quietly said, hold my beer. Speaking of beers, honorary mention for him goes to Paul Mitchell because hashtag, but Mitchell got the beers in. I think you'll enjoy that hashtag more than you enjoyed the last one. Um, he then goes on, his bowfin is the Packers defense who had no answer to the 49ers running game to the extent that the Niners only had eight passes uh, ball bag for him Odell Beckham Jr. from openly handing out what looks like cash to LSU players uh, to slapping the rear of a police officer could lead to the NCAA probing LSU well, apparently all the cash was actually collected and handed back, so I think LSU will be absolutely fine as far as that's concerned. Patting the backside of a policeman is never normally recommended, rarely ends well, but I think they might just be, I, I think it was a security guard rather than a policeman, I think you just got to try and brush that off, I think. So, you know, if it had been an equipment manager had done that, the guy might have turned around and hit him. You just wonder if, you know, oh, I've just been hit by Odell Beckham Jr. Let's yeah. start to see the, the, the dollar signs line up. So I'm not overly thrilled by that. No, I think it's, uh, yeah, we'll come back to that because I'm going to cover that in my awards. Uh, Belter, Stuart Taylor, Kyle Shanahan's game plan. Bowfin is the Packers offense and Bobak is Mahomes. Because Stuart, if you remember, is the one who has the rational dislike of Mahomes. So he's Bobak is Mahomes for being so freaking good and making me hate him a little bit less. <laughs> uh, just two more to go. Matt McLachlan, who is a Packers fan. Belter, Mostert, bouffing my Packers D, not having a clue against the runs. And Ballbag is himself for sitting up till the end of the Packers game, just in case. <laughs> you wouldn't have well, been the only one. Well, there you go. Matt. You wouldn't yep. have been the only one. Do you know what? Credit for staying up and watching it, I think. That's hard to do when you're seeing your team get beat. And you always do have that little bit of hope. I've been there many times. Um, I It was like getting through to the end of the Super Bowl against the Ravens. And you sit through all that and you come away with the defeat at the final hurdle. It's it's tough. But do you know what? We're fans of the sport, aren't we? So, right, last one. Maybe next then. Belter for him. 49, 49ers offensive line. It was like watching Moses part the Red Sea. Or the green and white sea. Bowfin is Packers run defence. Abysmal doesn't even come close. And Bobag, Joe Montana making guarantees. It never ends well. Oh, hang on a minute. Um, obviously, a joke to the fact that Joe Montana's guarantee is going to come true, as we mentioned earlier. And then side note for Bobag for him is Tyreek Hill. Absolutely no need 
whatsoever for the dog peeing impression. So, Paul, um, we'll pretty much we're going to wrap up on this and then touch on some news. So, what are your award winners this week? Yeah, I think Mostert has to get it. I mean, we expected Mahomes to do what he did, um, but there's always somebody that comes across and does something, and he announced his name on a big stage. Bowfin, I'm actually going to give it to the Packers' defensive coordinator, uh, Mike Pettin, because you saw what they were, what they did to the Vikings. That was really what you were going to have to try and guard against because it would have been against the nature, I think, of the 49ers for Kyle Shanahan to come out and start flinging the ball all over the place, even though we live in a passing league. So I, I was just surprised. And Bob, you said it best. Tyreek Kill, great player, questionable character. Yes, very questionable. Um, but a, a quality player who's a massive threat. Belter, for me, I do have to give it to Mostert. You just have to. That performance, he deserves it. Um, you know, record-breaking performance, four touchdowns, 220 yards. He just, every time he got the ball, you genuinely thought he was going to do something, which is just absolutely brilliant. So, yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Uh, Baufin. It has to be the Packers. It really does. The Packers' first half performance, they obviously came back a little bit in the second and got a little bit better. You know, Rodgers threw an absolute bomb to Devontae Adams. Um, Darrell Rivas um, is one of my contenders for ball bag for having a random pop at Richard Sherman. And I can't believe I'm defending Richard Sherman. He picked one play in particular and had a bit of a pop. Now, Darrell Rivas was a great cornerback, but there's no way that you can't say that Richard Sherman isn't a great cornerback. And Darrell Rivas, anyway, it's a, one of these random ones where a player just seems to randomly pick on someone else. Tyreek Hill, for his nonsense as well, that's just that's just trash. It's just trash. There's nothing more needs said. But for me, it's the cop in the changing room. I personally think these kids have gone out there and busted everything that they've got to win that championship. They've had one heck of a season. They're having a party, and the cops in there hassling them to figure out whether they've got alcohol or not. Whether it's yeah. a security guard or whatever, come on, man, get a grip. Like, and fine, the, the Odell Beckham thing, stupidity on his part. He needs to just watch what he's doing. There's other footage as well. He's clearly drunk. He's clearly enjoying himself. He needs to just wind his neck a little bit on it. But this is a total mountain out of a molehill, and it does feel like a, an opportunity where they could have gone, do you know what? I take it off, but that's as much as it needs to be. Um, you know, a battery charge, it just seems ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, there is there was all sorts of ages, and some of these players are actually legal of age to drink. But I think on that case, you let the coaching staff look after all of that. If I'd been the coaching staff, I, I'm not a fan of cigars in a, in a changing room. I think it shows the wrong message. So I'm with Steve Young on that, saying that actually plays badly for somebody's image. Um, so I would have been against that. But in terms of, you know, you've, you've been in the States. It would probably take you, what, 168 American beers to get drunk? <laughs> At least. So, you know, I think you've, you've got to be sensible about these things. You know, nobody's getting hurt. Everybody's getting looked after. I mean, LSU, I mean, they've got so many player personnel people. They're not going to be stupid. You know, they might let, you know, a 20-year-old kid have a drink, but they're not going to let anybody get rat-arsed. Um, so I think, yeah, a little bit of common sense needs to, to come in here. So, yeah, I'm not for that. So just before we wrap up then, any news items tickling your fancy? 
Yeah, I mean, you, you talked about ball bag. I was a bit naughty at the weekend um, when I was on air uh, covering a game. I managed to describe somebody who was substituted as uh, forgot they were on the pitch and thought fact, thought they were in witness protection. Uh, which, 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 looking back, wasn't the best choice of words. Especially it was for a player I actually quite liked. So I, I did make a semi-apology on air for that. So it's, it's, it's not like me. Uh, but Will, Willie Miller and I were just enjoying ourselves. Is so. that you putting yourself forward for a Bobag nomination? Yeah, yeah. If it had fallen into American football terms, yeah, it was. It wasn't. I, I, I found it quite funny. But and um, I would hope the player would have done as well because it's a player I actually quite like. So I apologise for. The that. Um, in terms of, j- just before we leave things, I thought Nansen Romo called the game pretty well. Yeah. Um, I thought Buck and Aikman called the game pretty well. Um, Will Gavin on TalkSport for taking the piss out of Ollie Wilson was perhaps a little <laughs> less kind, but funny all the same. <laughs> Absolutely. As I was driving home, and I don't have the Westwood One commentator who covered that game, but again, just outstanding coverage. There's some exceptionally good radio broadcasters out there on the NFL and I I think I'm going to make it I'm going to see if we can get one of the NFL radio broadcasters on the podcast over the summer I think they'd be fascinating to speak to what impresses me a lot is you know when I do football you're looking at 26 players maximum rugby is an utter nightmare uh, sorry, 28, obviously. 46 players come out. You know, you've At got first, potentially 100 players kicking around. Like fun. Um, and they just seem your... to identify so quickly. So uh, a big shout out for them. Yeah, I don't know what happened there, but we got a random advert in the middle of that for something. I don't even know what's going on. Technical errors. There's, do you know what? Bowfin, I've, I've just thought of this. We had some technical issues uh, at the Golf Tavern, 100% down to my ancient old Mac laptop. I think I need to buy myself a new one. Um, Bowfin goes to my Mac because we almost we almost were minutes away from, I don't even know what we were going to do, but there was possibly no slides, no presentation. We would have just chatted. I think people would have been chucking stuff at us. See, I was as calm as could be. I, w- I was in France the previous week. If you want stress, try and get an ISDN line to work at a French football <laughs> or rugby ground. Oh, is the usual answer when there's a problem. So let, let's not talk about uh, no, stress. How um, about some news? How about yes. some news? You fancy some news? Let's. Uh, Philip Rivers is an Alabama boy, and he's packed up from San Diego, and he's moved to Florida. Right, okay. Now, the whole family, now that's not a cheap thing to do, because there's, you know, he's got eight, nine kids, something like that. Um, now, he hasn't officially left the Chargers, and he's not ruled out playing for the Chargers, uh, but he would obviously have to, to commute. I think they've taken the decision that potentially he's only going to have a year or two left at the Chargers, if at all. Uh, he's making himself available for the teams on the East Coast, and why not? Something different. He's done the Chargers life. He's done the LA stuff, which he obviously clearly didn't like. So why not go and do something different? So, And if he ends up, you know, he could be another stopgap in Miami till they get uh, Rosen playing better. He could be an answer at Tampa Bay for a year or two. You just don't know. Indeed, it's an interesting one. And Tampa Bay will be looking for somebody. So, interesting time. And do you know what? I've seen on NFL.com that Daniel Jeremiah's already got his first mock draft out. Do you know what? We've not even got to the Super Bowl and we're already talking about free agency in the draft. Um, I I already am looking forward to all that nonsense as well. I've seen something online and I don't know if it's true or if it's a joke or not. So, I'm I'm wary to say this. But apparently the, um, the draft 
platform's going to be in the fountains of the Bellagio, and they're going to be taking players out by boat. Oh, no, that that just sounds horrible. <laughs> it really, really does sound horrible. I mean, the Browns boat would probably sink unexpectedly. <laughs> uh, so, no, let's not go there. Talking of the draft, though, Joe Burrows has uh, got an agent. He's signed with CAA. He's now actually represented by four agents within that firm. That tells you they're about, they could retire on the back of Joe Burrows. But the interesting thing, you know, he, he is slated to go to the Bengals. The Bengals, Andy Dalton... I think Burrow's an immediate starter. If they cut him, they could salary cap save around about $17 million. So I think Dalton will get moved on. I don't think there'd be any honeymoon period. I think he would just get punted. And apparently um, they have come out and said that they have no intention of trading the number one pick. Now, you could be cynical and say, yes, of course they would say that. You would have to be nuts to miss out on somebody like Joe Burrow. If he's fallen in your lap, you've got to go with him. He could be a bust. We've seen it before with quarterbacks, but could you really be the GM that passed up on him? No, you couldn't be. You couldn't risk it. And it's... I think he's got enough about him that he's going to be a good player. And I think, actually, Andy Dalton showed, you know... Andy Dalton showed he's still got something to offer. I think that the red rifle ends up somewhere. We've talked about this before. I still think he ends up in Chicago for a year or two. You go into the Bengals, and there's talent there. It's not a, you know, you've got Mixon. If you can get A.J. Green fit, if John Ross can figure out how to stay healthy and, and catch the ball, there's there's quality players in Cincinnati. So Burrow gets to go in there, and not it's not like he's got nothing around him. Um, it's a tough place to go, but it rejuvenizes that franchise with an exciting young player that's just won the Heisman, that's just taken LSU, and he's an Ohio boy. You know, he, he was brought up just an hour or two away. So it's got it's got everything that you want it to have for it to be a great story to kick off next season. Indeed, and of course, I mean, staying in Ohio, the Browns have got a new coach. They hire Kevin Stefanski. Uh, that's an interesting one. Now, he apparently was on the list last year and lost out to Freddie Kitchens. He, he's obviously swallowed his pride. It must be hard if you're reckoned to be the number two. Somebody goes through a season, you know, the guy they actually preferred and doesn't do very well. Mm. You know, you go back again. Of course, they have changed general manager as well. So I think he's been made very much a, a sweet offer, I suspect. Uh, off the back of what you would class as a very disappointing um, you know, run with the Bengals in the main game. But having seen what the 49ers did to the Packers, it perhaps puts them in a slightly different light. Yes, it does. It's interesting times, and there's a lot of change again. There's a lot to come with free agency. There's more to come with the draft. We've got the XFL to do, and we've not even got to the Super Bowl yet. Genuinely, exactly. it's the end of the season, but it feels like we're still rich with content. And I, for one, am very excited about it. So am I. I mean, last year, you knew I was slightly upset about the Super Bowl, which, if you take last year's Super slightly, Bowl... To, slightly, slightly. Slightly, ...was yeah. probably Tesco Cola against Morrison's Cola Zero. You know, this year we've got two proper teams. It's Coke v Pepsi, <laughs> head-to-head. I'm looking forward to it. Ugh. Morrison's Cola Zero. Ugh. I just... No, no thanks. Um... 
And the last thing to talk about then, uh, we have to mention the fact that Jamie Gillan, the Scottish Hammer, has been in Scotland. We've been trying our very best to get caught with him. We've not had a chance to do so, but he was at Merkiston Castle today, hanging out with some of the students there. He returned to his old school in Edinburgh. Charles was there, STV were there, uh, the BBC were there. So plenty of coverage. That's brilliant to see that he's getting that. And we hope to catch up with Jamie soon. Yeah, congratulations to Jamie. Just, you know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He carries himself so well. This guy is now mixing with Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield. I saw uh, somebody complaining about the amount of commercials on American TV during the championship games that Baker Mayfield... You know, he is mixing with the top tier of American sport. Not only that, he's holding his own. If you were to say to Browns fans, you know, give me three successes from your your 2019 season, I would bet Jamie Gillen would be in every one of those top threes, if not number one. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we will definitely do our very best to get a conversation with Jamie Gillen at some point soon to share that with you all. It's been a great story. We're going to continue to follow David Jabo's story. There's a couple of other leads about other Scotsmen out there as well. And any great story that we can pick up off in the off-season, we will do so. Do let us know if there's something that you'd like us to cover. We're very open to it. We've had a couple of suggestions already. We've put them in the bank. We're going to discuss them when there's maybe not as much football going on. So we will cover them. Keep sharing your thoughts. But I think that pretty much is the full-time whistle then for episode 85 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for listening. Please do give us a review on iTunes if you've got the time. Make sure that you follow us and share your thoughts as well at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for NFL Scotland podcast on Facebook. If you're moping around this Sunday, please remember the Pro Bowl is available, but you might want to do something else. It's never the, the best game in the world, but you, like me, will no doubt end up watching it because it's NFL football. But the Super Bowl is approaching, and Cameron will have a cracking programme next week podcast. Looking forward to that very game. Yeah, indeed. There's lots to talk about. We're going to do a proper preview of the Super Bowl. We'll be sharing our thoughts. Uh, for the first time ever, we'll be doing a podcast across the Atlantic Ocean, as I'm going to be based over in New York for the next week or so. Um, so we'll be interested to see if we can make our clocks line up for that one. I'm sure we can. It's going to be fun in the next week or two. The build-up to the Super Bowl is always fantastic, and we'll play our part. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We really hope you've enjoyed the programme. Look out for the Pro Bowl this coming Sunday. Look out for the Skills event as well. That's always worth watching. And until we're with you next week with our Super Bowl programme, bye for now.